Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Sunday Night Sit Down, brought to you by One Hood Power. I'm your host, Miracle Jones. As always, the Sunday Night Sit Down is a moment where we have a relaxed conversation with a candidate running for office, um, so we get to know them, who they are, why they're running, what is their philosophy, and of course, what brings them joy. And today, we are very excited to have our special guest, Alexandra Hunt, who is running for the U.S. Uh, representatives to represent uh, P District th- PA3 in Congress. Um, welcome to the Sunday night sit-down, uh, Ms. Hunt. Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And you know, you have been a person who has really taken, you know, the Pennsylvania political world by storm, by being your authentic self and really not allowing anyone to bully you. And so we're very excited to have you on our platform. Can you just talk about some of the unique qualities that you bring to this congressional race? I think that one of the the ways we are changing the way that folks run for office is I'm leading with my lived experiences. I'm leading with a lot of vulnerability and it's incredibly hard. It, it really opens you up to a lot of criticism and stigma and uh, that can be very hard to withstand, but it, it's a direction that we need to head in because we have young people who are trying to enter the realm of politics and as voters question, they need to they need to know how a person is going to move and what's going to inform their decision making. And so what better than to give examples of where you understand exactly the sort of difficulties and struggles that uh, might be prevalent within the district or county or region that you're running for than having lived it yourself. So I am I've been very forthcoming about some of my uh, messier experiences, such as working as a stripper in college. Uh, I had an abortion when I was 18, and I have survived sexual assault. And so I I do share that on the campaign trail. And um, that has kind of taken a lot of establishment politics and politicians by surprise. And thank you for sharing that and being very vulnerable and, and open with like your past experiences. Is there a politician or a political figure that you're looking towards as you navigate the trajectory of being a politician who's very like open and honest uh, with everything you've gone through in your life? So my inspiration is really brought more from movement leaders rather than specific politicians. And there is one whom I really admired as a child and and growing up. And it was because he was so unapologetic and he, he really stuck to his values. 
and uh, he he faced an incredible amount of adversity, and actually that adversity eventually took his life. Uh, Stephen Biko fought against the South African apartheid, and uh, he he did die while he was in prison um, with uh, some very sketchy circumstances, which uh, many believe that he was killed while he was in prison. But it was because he was such an effective leader. Uh, he was radical. He he did have more socialist beliefs, and he really unceasingly fought for his people. And I have a, a lot of admiration for him. Um, and and he's he's been an inspiration for me for my entire life. As for American politics, I really didn't think I had a place in American politics until I saw Bernie Sanders run for president in 2016. And that was when I started to rethink maybe I'm not too off the spectrum, too far to the left. And I can have a voice here. So that's when I started to get more involved in electoral politics. But in movement work, I've, I've always been there. Thank you so much. And you talk about being inspired uh, by Sanders' runs. What motivated you to enter uh, this race for Congress? My decision to run for office uh, came because of the pandemic. And when the pandemic first struck, I immediately flexed my schedule so that I could be out in the community as much as possible. I was working at Fox Chase Cancer Center. And while I also helped accompany our patients who were very frightened and very isolated during this time for their appointments, uh, because we did remove a lot of their social support while they were in the hospital to try to protect them from the virus, and that was very hard. I was also out uh, helping to test patients and then later vaccinate patients. I was getting out menstrual items for school-age children who are reliant on our school nurses for uh, menstrual items, but when our school shut down, they didn't necessarily have that at home. And I organized with Camp JTV, which formed on uh, JFK Boulevard. It was a, an unhoused encampment, and I ran crisis response, and I was also doing food distribution. And the food distribution was the final straw for me. You, you could tell that when this pandemic occurred and and its devastation started to cross the country, that we were not responding adequately as a country and our government was not putting out the proper resources and relief into communities. And at a food distribution site, I was just looking at how long the line was and it was incredibly long. It was down the street, and that is not an exaggeration. And it, that, that, that was just one food distribution site on one day, and it was an enormous amount of people in Philadelphia who were food insecure and having to stand in line to make sure that they had enough groceries at home. And I had this thought of they're not coming to help us, and that was when I decided to look into who was sitting in the seat and I found a, a politician that was indeed sitting in the seat and complacent with the status quo and not meeting the, the urgency of the moment. So I decided to run against him. Thank you. And being this is your campaign, um, your first run for uh, Congress, what has surprised you about like campaigning? Um, what has been some like, the, like the, you talked earlier about um, some of the downs with being so open and vulnerable, but what has been some of like the better experiences you've had campaigning so far? The saving grace is 100% the community. 
And I, that, that is what I hold on to. I, these, these little moments of being invited into somebody's living room and then listening to a mother talk about all the trophies on the wall from her son's basketball career and how proud she is. And just like getting to see her swell with pride that she gets to share this with you. And then talk about the education reform platform that we're advocating for and have that sort of dialogue. So it's, it's moments of being out in the community and just meeting people where they are and hearing their needs and, and talking about how we're striving to, to meet those needs through uh, winning this election and then once in office. And that, that is absolutely the saving grace. That's what keeps me going when it gets so hard and there's so much stigma and attack. Thank you. And you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, being out on the front lines during COVID-19. What are some ways that you feel like your experience as a public health worker um, will uh, prepare you to work in Congress? I think the way politics has been done uh, as usual is that it, it really comes down as a, a top-down sort of style of leadership where government is dictating what the needs are and uh, how much that they will attribute to which and what areas. Whereas public health comes from a different angle and really partners with communities. And I expect that to be the similar approach that I take in, in office. I not expect that that will be the similar approach uh, in, in partnering with community groups and community members and building coalitions of people who are directly impacted by the, the lived experiences or the lack of resources and allowing them to inform and advocate the legislation that they need to see their lives improve because people know the policies that will change their lives. And, and that's where partnership needs to come into play of, okay, these are the needs, this is what you need to change and this is how we make it legislation and law and get those resources to the ground to your home. Perfect. And you're talking about a, a need for resources. I mean, you mentioned earlier being open and campaigning and being invited to people's homes. What are some of the issues that you see um, in your district that people are talking to you about? And what are some of the ways you believe Congress um, can create interventions um, and reductions uh, to reduce those issues prevalent in your district? In our district, there is a horde of crises, and it it comes from a, a divestment from of the communities that are in the most need and the most marginalized. So we we talk about all sorts of issues out out in the field and on the campaign trail. The leading ones are how the climate crisis ties into the current environment and and lack of shelter in within. Our district, there is a, a very high uh, prevalence of homelessness with NDAC. And so in a Green News Bowl, not, not only is it addressing the climate crisis and taking climate action, it's also making sure that housing is honored as a human right and that housing for all is established through not only simply having shelter, but having adequate shelter from the elements as they worsen, where it's cold or wind or rain, flooding, fires, extreme heat, et cetera. We have to have housing in place that can protect people 
as as the the world heats up. Um, and that was something over the summer that was incredibly devastating to to learn that people did not have the resources to have adequate air conditioning or to turn on air conditioning. And so we're dying of heat stroke in their own homes. Uh, that also ties into preserving green space and making sure that there is no deficit in uh, canopy coverage or, or trees in, in the area. And I'm speaking to an urban environment because uh, that's where I'm running. But um, another big issue is healthcare. And our, about 50% of people in PA3 are on a public option or without healthcare. And that comes up a lot that we need healthcare as a human rights. And that the, the, the for-profit system that is currently established is killing people actively, daily, and it's killing Philadelphians. And then another big issue is education reform. And I am our campaign is fighting to take uh, the funding of public education to the federal level and to implement a fair funding model at uh, through federal dollars in order to improve the status of our public schools in Philly. Thank you. We know that the um, education lawsuit is still going through, widening through its Pennsylvania courts. So education uh, funding is a huge, huge topic um, here in Pennsylvania. And another conversation we we've seen in Pennsylvania is is the way that we're running our elections. We know that Act seventy seven, which was the local law, created a whole host of issues, and we're still. Um, trying to get our election set, so finalizing the last of the local maps. Um, as you're campaigning, are you running into people who are talking about election integrity? If so, how are you able to alleviate some of those fears and what do you look for um, in Congress as a solution to making sure we have um, free and fair elections? So in this district, PA3 is the most democratic district in the nation. And I think that with that, it's more of a concern about voting rights and access to, to uh, fair elections rather than election integrity. I think that's more of a dialogue that's coming in from the right, which is not as prevalent in PA3. However, that being said, uh, a part of our platform is uh, a digital new deal and through that, it's talking about the need to combat misinformation that really spreads through our digital sphere and allows for, for this questioning of election integrity when it's really not an issue. And it's, it's been a rumor, it's been misinformation that has been spread by the GOP that we are mail-in ballots were invalid for whatever reason they accuse and that there's now this big threat to election integrity when in reality restricting access to our elections and access to voting is a threat to democracy. And that is a threat to the integrity of elections. So uh, I have not, I, if somebody does talk to me about election integrity, I immediately am able to pin them out as a likely Republican. Uh, thank you uh, so much for that. And I know that you talked on some of your platform about, you know, combating discrimination, uh, promoting racial justice. What are some of the things you're talking about, like you're in your district, um, PA3 includes, you know, some Philadelphia areas and you're, you're in, you know, in a very eclectic, you know, multicultural district. You get to meet people. I think the benefit 
of campaigning is you get to meet people from like all walks of life. And again, um, our region has struggled with like racial equality. So you have a platform talking about justice. What are some of the things that you're advocating for and how do you see um, your role in Congress making those come to pass? We are advocating for systemic change and the the current systems that are in place are uh, quite frankly racist and are holding down these black and brown communities that you were referring to, which are, are very prevalent in PA3 and are in the majority. Um, so the, the change that we're ad advocating for is systemic change and it's the, these, we, we talk about policy in vacuums. We talk about healthcare in a vacuum and climate action in a vacuum, housing, education reform, so on and so forth. But in reality, all of these reforms need to intersect with each other and lift communities that have been divested from, neglected, and impacted the most by uh, a, a system that does not favor them. So how can we address racial in inequities? I mean, there's, there's economic uh, efforts that can be made to do that, such as reparations, but also a living wage, uh, also through a, a wealth tax and closing the wealth gap, um, as well as making sure that opportunity for all is created through a fair and just education system and uh, that healthcare is honored as a human right because that's where a lot of neglect often comes in. And then on top of that, uh, something that I've been involved in is criminal legal reform. And so that is that system targets black and brown communities and individuals as well as impoverished people. And it's not really a system of justice, but a system of oppression. So reforming that system to make it one about justice and restorative justice, where uh, there's accountability for the harm that is done, but it, it's not about prison and punishment. Um, and more about making sure that we're we're pushing for transformation out of a person, out of a community, out of a system, rather than uh, holding them down and keeping them in a poverty cycle. Thank you so much for that. And as a public health, you know, official, you have like this multidisciplinary approach uh, to a lot of issues that I think has. Uh, for lack of a better word, it's been absent in a lot of some of these policy decisions. Another question I have along the same lines is we're looking at the need for infrastructure. We know Pennsylvania has millions of dollars coming in with for infrastructure. And a lot of people are worried about gentrification um, because we know a lot of times when we fix things up, we also push people out. Um, so as a person running for Congress in a, in a district that does have various economic challenges, how are you going about advocating for investments um, in your community without uh, pushing the people um, who need the services out? So I have been, I've been very active, as I mentioned earlier, I've been very active in the community fighting for affordable housing, for public housing, for housing repairs, and for low barrier temp temporary housing. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when we see folks who are out on the street and and I mean quite literally out on the street, it's, it's because the temporary housing has barriers that cannot be overcome. And that might be, be, be because they're a drug user or because of mental health issues or the lack of social support that is allowed into temporary housing, or maybe their occupation is sex work, which is also not allowed in 
temporary housing. So removing those barriers so people can get into shelter and be off the street. Um, and gentrification occurs when, when housing is treated as a commodity and not as a human right. So the, the institutions that bring investments in the di district need to ensure that they are, the priority is meeting the, the needs of the people and not displacing people with those investments because otherwise it, it really is just about capital gains and it's not actually serving the district. So it's not worthwhile to bring bring those sorts of investments into PA3 that has already seen so much displacement from this sort of uh, thinking. Uh, and then for, for an example of that, I'm an avid soccer player, I'm a soccer coach and a soccer fan, and the World Cup coming to the United States is so exciting to me. And Philadelphia currently has a bid in to, to host the World Cup in our city, um, but what what that does is that will push resources into stadiums and uh, these very expensive hotel spaces rather than public resources or home repairs or public libraries, public transit, and so on and so forth. And so these sorts of investments that that would um, basically be for the wealthy and the ultra wealthy. Are, are actively hurting the communities that are in the most need right now. So um, my, my point is that it, this is not the time for the World Cup to be coming to Philadelphia, and we need to be advocating for investments that are going to lift the communities that need them the most. Perfect. Thank you so very much for that. And I think it, um, a lot of people don't always have the foresight to talk about the negative aspects of having large uh, uh, scale events and how it doesn't really impact um, and support the people who need it the most. And you're running, um, some would say, as, as a progressive on a progressive platform. We know that our, our Congress is, is mixed um, and it's not always easy to pass legislation. Um, so as you're advocating and running for these ideas, how are you also creating um, and managing expectations for what you can do um, once you're in office? Um, I, I mean, I think that it's okay to be impatient. I think that there, the, our leadership and folks in office, they need to have an urgency that matches the urgency of the impacted people who are, who are struggling to survive. And, and with the lack of legislation and the, the lack of resources coming from our government on, onto the ground. So I think it, it's, okay to have high expectations. And I think our expectations of what government can and should do for the people should be higher. Um, so I'm, I'm not advising on lowering expectations or on asking people to be patient. I, I think that, it's, that there's a lot of urgency and crisis at the moment. And I think that the people who are impatient should get involved and help us push these mountains, help us break these systems and, and topple them over and then get the resources that we need to combat these intersecting crises. Um, legislation can be slow to pass, but that doesn't mean that we should be accepting of that pace, especially when it's not meeting the needs of the people. Thank you. And um, as we wrap, one of my questions is, we're talking talk about a lot of the crises for one of the first times, it's a lot of millennial uh, young adults 
who are bearing the burden of these crises, whether it's student loan debt, the uh, impending housing crisis, um, the lack of, of health care, the possibility um, that Social Security will not be there for you know, our generation uh, once we hit a certain age. So what is your message like to other millennials who may feel that this the systems are like too much and basically are kind of abstaining or falling away from politics? What uh, message do you have uh, to share? Uh, well, it, fa falling away from politics is how how it, this worsens, and and I understand the desire to to walk away. Um, believe me, <laughs> uh, but that's not how we we change the system. That's not how we change our world. That's not how we better it. Uh, because things have to be fought for. This, this isn't going to be handed to us, and. Millennials and younger have grown up in unbelievable violence, unbelievable corruption, and it it can create a sense of hopelessness, which is what we're what we're seeing. Um, but one of one of the things that keeps keeps me going is after have I I I have been very active in healthcare and and played a lot of roles in that field. And I told off a, a doctor, a physician who was treating a person like they were disposable and not providing adequate care. And another doctor came up to me and said, don't let them break you. And so I, I spent a lot of time mulling that over, like, who is them? And to me, them is the system. And the system wants you to walk away. It wants to discourage you. It wants you to think that change is impossible. So why bother trying? Um, and that's where we have to inspire hope within each other and uh, to not let them break us and to, to keep fighting on for the change that we need. Thank you. I think a lot of people need to hear that message. Don't let them break you. Um, when you're talking about fighting on, can you just talk about how people can find out about your campaign, where they can go uh, to learn more, how they can volunteer if they would like? We'd love to have volunteers. Uh, one of the big things about progressive politics and insurgent campaigns is that uh, they need to have very strong grounding. So we will take all the help we can get. Um, please volunteer with us. You can sign up to volunteer at huntforcongress.com. Also, you can check out our, our issues and, and policy points if you feel inclined to give a contribution. I'm running a fully grassroots campaign, not taking any corporate money. Uh, so every dollar counts, uh, and you can feel free to give a contribution as well. But if you would like to volunteer, we welcome you and would love to have you. Right. And, you know, this is our traditional closeout question. Um, we know politics is, is very, you know, stressful and can get negative, but we also know there's a beauty in politics. So at this time, what is bringing you joy? Um, what is keeping you grounded um, as you navigate uh, this campaign? Uh, I like to find humor in things. I like to find a reason to laugh. And so uh, I think laughter can save the soul. Um, uh, being around people who, who like the crack jokes, who understand when it's time to take things seriously, but when it's also understand that we need to have light moments and to uh, find joy in, in being together and, and being 
grateful for the small things that we are alive, that there's food on our table, things like that. Um, I really enjoy dog parks and uh, I like to see just dogs being dogs and playing around, including my own. And I enjoy a, a very good cup of coffee in the morning. That, that brings me a lot of joy and it wakes me up. I know you said you talk about uh, making jokes. Is that how you've been able to just like manage a lot of these attacks that people have leveraged against you over these uh, past few weeks? Um, and if so, is there anything, any type of support uh, that you need from people um, as, you, as you go and you're navigating um, these last few weeks of the campaign? Um, I Yes, I definitely try to poke fun at, at the attacks to, to lighten them, to lessen the blow. Uh, any, anything that we need, I, any and all of the support that we can get. Um, we, we really are running against the establishment. And because of that, a lot of institutions are shutting their doors in our face. We're running for the community, and so that's where our door knocks are being answered, and we're being well received. But um, at any and all help we can get will be welcomed because uh, it is it is tough to run against the establishment, and we do poke poke fun um, and try to keep the atmosphere light and try to make sure people feel very valued for for joining our, our movement and being part of it because we're we're grateful for the support. All right. Well, that has been Alexandra Hunt, who is running for Congress for to represent PA District 3. Um, and again, we know the election is going to be on May 17th, so make sure you're registered to vote. Thank you so much for joining us, Ms. Hunt, and we have, you have the great rest of your day. Thank you very much. Have a good one. And that has been the Sunday night sit down. Again, these are, you know, our our one-on-one -on -one conversations with people who are running for office. We know we can't um, host forums for every single uh, uh, race. And so we do want to um, introduce you to people who are running, uh, see who they are, uh, why are they running, what's motivating them to jump into the races, what are some of their political philosophies. Um, so you can make an informed decision um, on May 17th, as well as fill uh, out what is, is missing from races so you yourself can be inspired to run one day. Again, this, my name is Miracle Jones, your host for Sunday Night Sit Down. I hope you tune in with us for the rest of our programming from the One Hood Media Network. On Monday at 7, we do have uh, the Power Hour, you know, for the Spring Series Forum, where we're bringing various candidates together to talk about um, the races that they are running in a debate-style format. Um, and as well, we have various programming throughout the month, so make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube, um, you're liking us on uh, social media, um, at One Hood Power. And with that, I am signing off. I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Goodbye. Wow, 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 wow,